all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Women's Health, where we discuss issues involving women's health. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC. Many people at some point in time have struggled with being able to have a bowel movement. In some people, this is short-lived and others have struggled throughout their life. Today, we will be discussing constipation. We will dive into some common causes as well as management. We would love to hear from you. Share your comments and questions with us this morning by calling one mpb ring That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send us an email at women at mpbonline.org. So good morning, everyone, and happy Friday. I know that I am super excited that today is Friday. I was just telling my mom on the phone this morning that I actually don't have a whole lot lined up this weekend. Um, So I am really looking forward to some rest and relaxation. And for everyone out there today, it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day kind of throughout the state. So take this time to go outside and enjoy yourself and enjoy the beautiful weather hopefully before another wave of rain comes in. So I picked today's topic mainly because many times that I'm thinking of my topics, I'm thinking of, you know, what did I see in clinic this week or, or what have a lot of my patients really struggled with or I've gotten a whole lot of questions about. And one thing that some I think everyone at some point in time has struggled with is constipation, whether it's long-term or short-term. So constipation is a pretty common GI disorder and affects about 20% of the population. Some people can give a range of about 15 to 27%, but a good chunk of our patients. And for those people that have no issues with their bowels, consider yourself very lucky because it is for those that struggle, it is very uh, uncomfortable feeling and often perplexing because we can't always figure out exactly what the cause is and we try different things and and it just we always can't seem to get relief so hopefully I can kind of give some tips and kind of pick your brain and and give you some thoughts and some things to talk about with your doctor to kind of help us figure out what is causing our symptoms so it's hard to define constipation so when someone said so somebody comes in the clinic and they say Dr. Kinsey, I'm constipated. And I think people sometimes get frustrated with probably the thousand questions that I ask after that. But a lot of it has to do is constipation means something different to everybody. So some people 
may just struggle with their bowel movements being too hard or they're not the, you know, they're not having a, a normal size. They think it's too small compared to what it's been in the past. Some people just have a hard time with straining, feeling like they're taking a very long time to go or, you know, we go days without bowel movements because I feel like it's just ingrained in our head that you're supposed to go every day. If you're not going every day, then something's wrong. So I first want Want to clarify, there's lots of people out there. Not everybody has to go every day like we may have been taught um, throughout our lives. And so if it doesn't happen every day, I have a lot of patients that come in to me very distressed. And so then I ask them, have you always gone every day? And if the answer is no, then then I'm like, it just might be normal for you. So we're more so concerned about, is there a change in what your stool's like, the frequency? Are you having a hard time? But because we're medical, we always like to put some kind of definition on things. So the old definition essentially for constipation is pretty much having a stool frequency less than three times a week if we were to look at the population in the U.S. or if we were to look in the United Kingdom. This is where kind of these numbers come from, looking at these people and determine if you're not having about three bowel movements a week, then you're considered constipated. Well, we also learned later that this is not a nice one-size-fits-all type scenario. So as in medicine, we get groups of people together who decide what constipation could possibly look like when we're defining it. So we have what we call the Rome criteria that breaks down what is functional constipation. And so they pretty much say, if you've had these symptoms um, for at least the past three months and um, the onset was prior to six months of the diagnosis, you've got to have two or more of the following things to be quote unquote constipated. So if you're straining more than 25% of the time when you're having bowel movements, if your stools are lumpy or hard more than 25% of the time, you have the sensation of incomplete evacuation or letting your stool out more than 25% of the time, a sensation that things are blocked about 25% of the time. If you actually have to do some sort of maneuvers or manipulations, um, whether that be how you're sitting on the stool, you know, some people have to um, actually do a digital evacuation to have a bowel movement that, that that is, of course, considered constipated. And of course, as I mentioned before, less than three bowel movements in a week. So that's the fun criteria that they came up with to determine. And all of us would say, OK, clearly you're constipated if you're having to do any of those things. So if you're just wondering what the textbook answer is, that's what it is. But again, if you come to clinic and your stools have changed from what their baseline is, it is fair to say that you probably are dealing with with some form of constipation. But I'm going to go ahead to our first caller who we have on the line, Miss Alice in Macomb. How are you this morning? I don't know. That's why I'm calling. Yes, ma'am. That's a perfect uh, show on. I've been having trouble since uh, October 21st, 75, when I had my son. And so I'm 75 now. So I ain't going to go way back there. I'm having a big problem now. I have chronic constipation. Yes, ma'am. And a big problem with hemorrhoids. And if it feels like your gut might be kind of in out or something, you know what I'm trying to say? Yes, ma'am. And so, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
that's not for me to worry about. I've been having a problem with the hemorrhoids for the last couple of weeks now, but I ease it up with some, you know, stuff you use. Yes, ma'am. So have you had hemorrhoids before, or is this new? No, I had it before, but never as bad as it's been the last week or two. Yes, ma'am. years old now. And over this past week, have you had a lot of constipation with a lot of straining or have your stools been... That's that's why I called too to find out why do I have it this bad. I've taken laxatives to make sure that I I wasn't uh, pushing and stuff. It's real licky sometimes, but not pushing enough that I feel that it should be like this. So I'm wondering is it any kind of medication I'm taking or what? Miss Alice, you bring up a lot of good points about constipation. So it can be. Sometimes, you know, I tell patients if, you know, it sounds like it's just been going on for the past week for you. So I just think about reflecting on, am I doing anything different this past week than I've done in the past? Did I start a new medication, whether it was prescribed by the doctor or am I taking something over the counter? So I have some patients that have heart heartburn and they start taking all these Tums and then they call me and they're like, Dr. Kinsey, I'm constipated. Well, one of the side effects of, of something like Tums can cause constipation. So I would say, Miss Alice, think about if you've had any new medicines this week, have you eaten anything differently? Maybe your appetite has decreased or the type of things you're eating um, has changed? Over the- yes, I really maybe I'm eating some of the wrong things too, I think, but I'm not putting, I didn't have, oh, I got diabetes, so I don't eat yes, too much in my stomach because of my stomach problems. So I don't take a lot. I take my relax and fiber and magnesia. Perfect. When you take your milk of magnesia, are you having a bowel movement? Oh, yes, ma'am. Sometimes I have to take that and then drink some hot and some cone juice sometimes keep it from getting too bad. Yes, ma'am. But I have to do the fight to do what I the best I can not to get, like they told me, don't get constipated with the diverticulitis and stuff that I have. Something happened. So I just try not to let it get so bad. So I'm not pushing like I used to in the years. But I never had it bad back then when I had the food so hard. And, and that can definitely, and you mentioned that can definitely change with time. And we definitely see as patients age, you know, that they can struggle a little bit more with constipation than they did in the past. But I would just say if you've been straining over the past week, that's what's got your hemorrhoids really acting up if things have slowed down. And so if Milk of Mag has worked well for you in the past, I would start doing that over the next week or so to get your bowels back soft and regular. Regular, and then hopefully that can help with the with the hemorrhoids. But that's what I'm saying, why I'm confused, because it ain't been hard like that. It's been liquid. It ain't been where I've been pu- I ain't been pushing, you know what it, what you're talking about, how uh, I, I haven't been straining. I don't know that it's been liquid because I take something to make sure I'm worked out and it's liquid so I'm confused why hemorrhoids bad. 
Gotcha. Well, in that situation, Miss Alice, I would definitely say get in with your doctor and have and get a good exam so that we can make sure that we are, in fact, dealing with hemorrhoids and nothing else new is going on. So you're right. You know, for your hemorrhoids to flare and nothing hasn't really changed as far as straining goes, um, mm-hmm. just talk with mm-hmm. your doctor. But if you if you went too far in the other direction, too, where things are too loose and you're having a lot of bowel movements, that can still irritate your hemorrhoids, too. So straining can make your hemorrhoids um, come out and also, if you had a lot of frequent loose stools, any irritation like that can do it. But definitely, if it's not getting better, then you you definitely need to get in with your doctor and kind of make sure everything's looking okay. Oh, yeah. That's why I say, I said, ooh, Lord, thank you for having me, Cheryl. And I said, because the hemorrhoids, because I know about that uh, straining and stuff, about the past out and stuff. But yes, I, ma'am. Well, thank you so much for your call this morning, Miss Alice, and you have a good Friday, okay? YouTube. We have been talking this morning about constipation. I was mentioning earlier that most of my patients at some point in time have really struggled with regular bowel movements. And so I was talking and kind of reminding everybody just kind of how do we define constipation? And the answer to that is that looks different for everyone. There is not one size fits all. So really sometimes any change in what your regular normal stool pattern may be can oftentimes fall into the category of constipation. So it's just really important to kind of sit down with your doctor, tell them what your symptoms are, and get an idea if if it's something that we can work on. So we are going to move on to our caller, Jerry in Bay Springs. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. I just wanted to get you to remind everybody about diverticulitis. Uh, I've been stricken with it before. My mother had it, so there's a hereditary component, I believe. And uh, it's a little pain, usually on your lower left abdomen, and you do not want to take laxatives because that can lead to some serious trouble. If you just let everybody know that constipation can be a symptom of that, and uh, I'll hang up and listen to your response. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Jerry, for bringing that up. And so, you know, the GI tract, even though it's nice, one nice long tube, it is a very complicated, nice long tube. And so many things can present different ways. And so there are patients with constipation that can present with abdominal pain. So if you're having abdominal pain and definitely with it associated with your constipation, you need to be seeing a doctor. So I'm happy Jerry brings that up. And so you can have some constipation constipation with diverticulitis and oftentimes that is associated with severe abdominal pain. So for our patients that are unaware of diverticulitis, it is essentially inflammation um, within the colon and we care about it because oftentimes it um, can be an infectious cause that causes it. Some patients can get septic from it. Um, So it's really important to get in with your doctor and get appropriate treatment and oftentimes getting some oral antibiotics um, can definitely help clear that up. Uh, interestingly enough, some patients are like, why don't we go take a look if you have diverticulitis that actually increase, you don't want to get a colonoscopy or anything like that at the time of an acute flare of your diverticulitis because you increase your risk of some injury to the bowel when you're doing that. But if you're worried that you have diverticulitis, common symptoms, left lower quadrant pain, but it can be in other areas, but that's the most common area. Um, 
oftentimes some people can have constipation or you can have looser stools that have blood in them. So usually that has somebody running to see us anyway. Um, some people with diverticulitis can have the fevers, the chills with the abdominal pain. So um, thank you, Jerry, for bringing that to our attention. But definitely if you're dealing with constipation and you're having a lot of pain with it, you need to be seeing your doctor. So as we kind of talk about a few things about constipation, I'm happy Jerry brought that up. So what causes constipation? How do I know when I need to be worried? And I try to remind patients that there are some people that just have dealt with constipation all of their lives and they could have what we call functional constipation. But there are other secondary causes of constipation. So something else that is going on with us. So common disorders that we see can make patients constipated. So diabetes can sometimes do that. Um, people that have neurological disorders like multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, um, any patient that possibly has had spinal cord injuries, um, you're at increased risk of constipation. Many of us know right off the bat, if you have thyroid issues, that um, hypothyroidism, that means your your thyroid is underactive, um, you're at increased risk of, of uh, constipation. I think every pregnant woman or anybody that's had kids knows that pregnancy really <laughs> has a number of things that happen within those nine months. And a lot of people that are pregnant deal with constipation. Electrolyte abnormalities can do it as well. Um, and then other things uh, can have pelvic floor dysfunction um, that sometimes women deal with that have had several kids. So a lot of times as doctors, we want to rule out all the other causes that can cause constipation. And as I mentioned with our caller earlier, Miss Alice, don't forget, sometimes things we're doing can make us acutely constipated. So medications that we're taking, antihistamines, we're in the South here, everything's blooming, There's everything's colored in yellow, we're getting our Zyrtec, our Claritin, our Benadryl. Interestingly enough, side effects of some of those medicines is constipation. Some of your antidepressants can slow things down. Our common everyday antihypertensives can do it, particularly my patients that take a diuretic um, or fluid pill. Your body is not having enough water. Part of having a good, nice, soft stool is making sure we're not dehydrated and getting enough water. So sometimes if we're taking a diuretic, that can really slow things down. Anybody that's ever been on iron can relate to this, that iron can really uh, uh, cause some constipation. I mentioned it. If you're getting heartburn and you're popping those Tums and acids that can cause it and also any of our patients on painkillers those things can really slow things down a recent hospitalization or knee injury and we're not up and as active as we were before all can ultimately contribute to our constipation so when you're thinking about things not moving well kind of reflect on some of those things and see if they all could be contributing to your symptoms but looks like we've got a caller Aaron in Tupelo how are you this morning, Aaron? I'm, I'm I'm good. How about yourself? I'm good. So tell me what's going on. Yeah. Um. This is a question about my son. I have a five year old son, and um, he he rarely used the bathroom. Like maybe once a week, and we don't know why he's doing it. I I, I think it's his diet, but his stools are like the size of baseballs, you know, it like to the point sometimes it gets so big that it, it'll clog up the toilet. And I was wondering uh, what can we do to, you know, resolve that because he's a real picky eater. 
So, you know, I think he, he don't get enough fiber, but he eat a lot of bread. But his stools are still baseball-sized stools. So I was wondering, could you maybe help me with that? Yes, sir. So, so five year old. That is a challenging one. I've got a, I've got a, a six year old and a four year old. So I'm right there. So I completely understand the challenges of trying to. You want them to eat, of course. Like you said, the first place you like to start is what can we do? What can we change in what they're eating? So all those wonderful things that we talk about that are high in fiber are sometimes not on the five year old's list of favorite foods. Um, so of course broccoli and beans, but don't forget your fruits. So if your child likes fruits, berries strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, apples, all those things are great sources of fiber. So it doesn't have to be all green. So if you can get him eating more fruits for you, that can oftentimes get things moving as well. So don't forget that those particular things are high in fiber if you're trying to alter his diet. Be mindful of how much milk he's drinking. I have some kids that are really picky eaters, but will drink cups and cups of milk and eat cheese and all those things. So don't forget those foods can oftentimes back your son up as well. So if you tried a lot of those things and he's still having trouble making sure we have time to go to the bathroom, making him go in there and kind of sitting to try to have a bowel movement because some kids just hold things. Um, and so and try to do that after a meal. Use when our, our gut is most active after we eat and try to get him to sit down. But right now, based on the size of the stools that you're describing, I think we probably need to get your son to get his stools really soft first because he's probably afraid to go to the bathroom because it hurts at this point if it's that large so it's going to be using something and I would talk to his pediatrician because this is weight based um, but he probably needs something right now like a Miralax or a milk of magnesia for him to take to get things nice and soft so that he's having nice soft regular bowel movements and that'll also help him go some too. Right. Um, when you said about the milk, yeah, uh, he drinks a lot of milk. Mm-hmm. Like, he drinks, like, it, milk is his first go-to thing. Yes, sir. So, it's, it's just, so I'm, I'm guessing that maybe you saying the milk might be a, a big problem in that, too. It can be. So I would, you know, I've got some, when we talk about our picky eaters, I tell parents to offer the food before the drink. Think about what happens when you go to a restaurant and you're sitting there, you're waiting on your meal, waiting on your meal, waiting on your meal. You've drank about two or three Cokes or sweet tea or whatever it may be. And then your food comes and you barely want to eat. So a common things that I see in kids is we'll just sit them down and let them have their cup and their drink in between all of their meals. And by the time they sit down, they're not really that hungry. So I would try to, yes, he can have something to drink with breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but try to get him to eat first and then um, maybe drink after that. But just be mindful of how much milk. Get him to drink more water for you. If he's not drinking enough water, too, that can really help with his stools, too. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. I hope that helps, but definitely talk with his pediatrician as well, because that might be, like I said, in, in the short term, might need something to get things soft before he's really able to go for you guys, especially if it's uncomfortable at that age, they're going to avoid going, okay? Yeah, I was I was just worried about him maybe having hemorrhoids or something, being that, you know, that large. Yes, sir. And him being that small, and I was trying to figure out how, how this was happening, how he was able to even... Uh, push something like that out. Yes, sir. Well, Being so large. Yes, sir. But thank you for your call this morning, Aaron, and you have a happy Friday, okay? You too. Bye-bye.
So just kind of to pick back up as we talk about all this, and again, that was just a, a great example. Really, I tell patients, you probably hear me say this about every, almost every week with whatever ailment I'm talking about, really just kind of make a diary for yourself of what you're doing, you're eating, what you're eating, how much exercise you're getting, and you'll be really surprised at what some of those results are and how revealing it can be to you. Because our diet really does play a huge role in how we hand how we deal with what makes us constipated or what doesn't make us constipated and unfortunately the society we live in right now all these quick and fast meals are not necessarily the greatest on the gut. Um, so definitely being mindful of what we're eating and also what we're drinking. So water, water, water. I know it's, it's so simple sometimes. Easier said than done is what I say. I have so many people that are like, I just don't like the way water tastes. I get that. But water is so healthy for us on so many levels. And sometimes some people dealing with constipation, it can be something as simple as not drinking enough water. So I just want people just to be mindful what are we eating? What are we drinking? We kind of talked about a little bit about foods that are high in fiber. So like I said, all of us know about all of the beans, broccoli, um, like I mentioned, never forget um, your fruits. Interestingly enough, eating four prunes a day is equivalent to you taking a fiber supplement. So if you're not, if you're okay with prunes, get you four prunes a day. And that is almost like you taking these fiber gummies or, or you know, a scoop of Benefiber or whatever it may be. One of the most recent studies shows that four prunes is just as effective as um, those over-the-counter fiber supplements. So Again, for my other patients that may have other medical problems, such as diabetes or those types of things, let's monitor our sugar intake. But for in general, everybody else, if you can tolerate some prunes, um, it can ultimately be really great for the gut. So we have spent the first half of this hour just kind of diving a little bit into some common causes of constipation. What exactly is constipation? Um, and just kind of gotten some great calls, just getting us to reflect on some things that we some changes that we can make in our lifestyle that can ultimately help with constipation. So I kind of went over right before the break some what we call secondary causes of constipation. So meaning other things that, that we have that can cause it, such as diabetes or thyroid problems or particular medications we can take. But there's still a group of patients that we don't have an answer for as to essentially what causes their constipation. So we, usually in medicine, we call that idiopathic. So that means that we can't pinpoint one particular cause. So idiopathic chronic constipation is something that we mainly see in a lot of females. And it's just constipation. It's usually not related to any kind of abdominal pain. Um, they're not seeing all the red flags like blood in their stool or those types of things. They just deal with constipation in general. So the question then becomes, how do I figure out what is causing my constipation? What is the workup? When I go talk to my doctor about being constipated, what is he or she going to do? So first of all, as I mentioned, you know, if you're having red flag symptoms, those are the things that I say, like you need to get to a doctor and go ahead and get evaluated and not brush it off as, oh, this will get better. So definitely if you're seeing any kind of blood in your stool, you need to be talking to your doctor about it. If you're having what we call unintentional weight 
weight loss. So I'm not doing anything, but I'm just losing weight. My clothes are fitting looser. I haven't really changed what I've been eating. I know I haven't been exercising. You need to be talking to your doctor. Um, if you've got a family history of colon cancer or an inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, um, and you're having an acute bout of constipation, you definitely need to be talking to your doctor. So I don't want anybody with any of those symptoms to be sitting at home just saying, oh, I'm constipated. I'll take some, you know, Miralax and keep it moving. I want you to be talking to your doctor about what could be causing your symptoms. So if you have any red flag symptoms, we immediately, of course, start working you up essentially for constipation. But what about people that are just like, you know what, I'm I can't figure it out. So that's where I said, when I start asking all my patients a thousand questions, it's me trying to narrow down. I'm not trying to annoy you. Um, it's me trying to narrow down what your cause is for constipation. So oftentimes we'll review your medical history. We'll go over all your medications and then we'll cover any of what we what I said were red flag symptoms. So your exam is a really good indicator as some causes of constipation. So there are some patients that you can kind of do a good belly exam and feel those stool balls or hard balls or things like that that aren't aren't there, particularly on some of your thinner patients, you can kind of get an idea. Um, sometimes, depending on if you're having blood in your stool, if you're worried about constipation, your doctor may do a rectal exam. They'll look and see, are you having hemorrhoids? Do you have any fissures there? Um, some people uh, that might have a pelvic floor dysfunction, um, your doctor may try to see the tone of your rectum, um, if that's okay for women. You know, remembering if you've had babies in the past or, you know, it's particular with vaginal deliveries, sometimes a good vaginal exam, you know, by your OB or someone like that looking for any kind of pelvic floor problems can oftentimes shed light. So not all the time do we need to do blood work. So I get some patients that come in and we, we have a good discussion and I really think it's what we're eating. You're not, your exam's normal. You don't have any red flags. You don't always have to get some blood work done, but sometimes blood work can shed light. So if you we get a CBC and you're anemic and hadn't been anemic before, maybe you are losing some blood that we're not aware of, and that might change things for us. As I mentioned before, you could be a newly diagnosed diabetic, or you could be a newly diagnosed person with thyroid disorders, even patients whose electrolytes are off, like your calcium's high, things like that. All those things can ultimately contribute to constipation. So based off of your history, based off of your physical exam, that's when we ultimately decide what the workup looks like for constipation. And so for everyone that's out there listening, don't forget you can still call in with your questions and comments at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So I have a lot of patients that come in that they're like, okay, I'm constipated. I need a scope. I need a colonoscopy. Well, interestingly enough, we don't jump right into colonoscopy if you've had a long bout of constipation. We try to get figure out what else is going on. Again, if you've had those red flags that I've talked about, then yes, colonoscopy is right for you. If you've had a family history of colon cancer, particularly in what we say your immediate family, so mom, dad, brother, or sister have had colon cancer, then it might be time for 
time for you to get a colonoscopy. And then if you just have not had your colonoscopy yet, um, if you're 45 and older, remembering those recommendations have recently changed, we now do um, colon cancer screening starting at the age of 45. If you're 45 and older and have not had your colonoscopy, then it's probably reasonable to go ahead and get a colonoscopy. But we usually don't jump right to doing a colonoscopy in our patients that come in with constipation. Sometimes if it just seems like, you know what, I, it, I feel like I've gone to the bathroom and it is just not all out, Dr. Kinsey. Like, I feel like something's still there. I feel backed up. I feel bloated. Sometimes an x-ray can help. It's a simple test. And in an x-ray, we can look and see, does it look like there's a lot of stool there? Is there any concern for obstruction um, or anything like that? We can oftentimes see with a plain x-ray. But interestingly enough, the management of constipation if you don't have those red flags and your blood work comes back normal is a trial of medication. We give you different treatments and see or lifestyle changes and ultimately see if that helps with your constipation. So as we mentioned before, um, we talk about your whole kind of bowel movements and how those things go. And if, if you're had any improvement with laxatives before and if we're taking them correctly. So that also oftentimes helps too. So a couple of things when you're looking at changing lifestyle. So as we mentioned before, high fiber diets. We talked about high fiber foods, not just your vegetables, not just your beans. Don't forget your fruits. Don't forget those prunes, all those things that can help things go. And as I say, the mainstay to my treatment of constipation is water, 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 water. Are you drinking enough water? Your colon needs water to kind of get things moving through. Our colon is actually our last defense of kind of water absorption in the body. So if we're pretty dehydrated or not getting enough fluids, I tell my patients, your body like wants to hold on to water. So it, your stool gets down to the colon. It's the last place it can grab the last ounce of water. And it takes it in. And so as a result, those stools get nice and hard if you're not getting enough fluid. So fluids really are important um, to us making sure everything moves through the bowel. So as I mentioned, our goal for patients with uh, fiber is you want to get about 25 to 30 grams of fiber in your diet a day. So about 25 for women, 30 for men. But I just say an easy number to remember is all of us should probably get about 30 grams of fiber. And I've mentioned all those foods that can ultimately help you with your fiber intake. Now, I do want to remind some patients when it comes to increasing the fiber in your diet, sometimes as people, when we get very excited about doing something, we kind of dive all in and overdo it. So that, interestingly enough, can happen with fiber, too. So sometimes we got to be a little careful about, you know, introducing too much fiber at one time. So you've, you've I'll get my patients, they've increased their fiber intake. They went and bought some fiber gummies and they're adding some, you know, Metamucil once a day and they're doing all these things and they're bloated, they're gassy, they're uncomfortable and sometimes feel worse. So when you're kind of making those adjustments um, by uh, adjusting your fiber and things like that, let's kind of do it in a stepwise fashion. So if you're getting a lot of gas and you're getting a lot of uncom uncomfortable, maybe back off a little bit. So especially those people that are eating those fiber bars and those types of things, they're notorious for giving you some cramps and and gas and the and all that kind of stuff so I tell people I know we want to increase our fiber but we can overdo it 
too quickly if we're doing too much at one time. Um, so after we kind of look into increasing our fiber, so there's lots of ways to do that. There is, you know, some sometimes you can do the gummies, you can do the supplements, but you also can do um, some things such as what we call like a bulking kind of forming laxatives. And those are my patients that are doing the Metamucil or the Citrusel or the Fibrocon or the Benefiber. So these are kind of natural ways um, to kind of help things start to move move through the gut. We call gut. We call those bulk forming laxatives. And so Again, we like to have all of our wonderful evidence and studies in medicine, but interestingly enough, the results in many studies is inconclusive. Are these very helpful? When you look at a large group of people, some studies say they aren't, some say they are. I tell patients, we're all very individual. If you take a Metamucil every morning and that keeps you regular, do your Metamucil every morning. You don't have to switch it up because you heard something different. If that works for you, that works for you. The one that I get a lot of questions about is stool softeners. So a lot of patients are like, I'm really backed up. I'm constipated. I've started taking all these stool softeners and nothing is happening. So stool softeners, I start, I think of, you know, if you take stool softeners for your constipation and they ultimately end up helping you, that's fine. But sometimes if you're really backed up, doing a stool softener like dulcusate sodium may not be enough to kind of get things moving. And that works by allowing water to enter the stool more easily. So again, if you're dehydrated, not getting enough water, a stool softener may not be for you. I oftentimes use stool softeners for patients to prevent constipation. So if I have a patient that I'm putting on iron and they've never had issues with constipation, I'll oftentimes just give them a stool softener with it, but I don't always make it kind of like my go-to treatment right away for constipation. Well, we're going to just take a quick moment to continue our discussion about constipation right after the break and I'm going to go over some more over-the-counter supplements and medications that we can be using as well as some medications that you can talk to your doctor about if a lot of these lifestyle changes have not helped. And we have spent the last hour really kind of diving in a little bit into constipation. So I've really gone over some causes of constipation, things to talk to your doctor about, a little bit about the workup of constipation, and we just now kind of started to dive into some options for treatment. So if you have any last minute kind of burning questions that you like to ask us, those number that number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So I've talked about several over-the-counter things for people to use for constipation. So your Metamucil, your Citrusel, your Venipa, been a fiber. I talked about a little bit how I like to use colace or the stool softener when we're talking about treatment. So another common one that we use is Miralax. So that nice, fun purple cap. And so that, again, is what we call an osmotic agent. So that is a essentially an over-the-counter medication that we give you that puts more water in your stool and kind of makes things move nice and slowly um, through, through this uh, GI tract. The thing about the um, Miralax, usually takes about a day or so for for that to work for a lot of patients. So it doesn't give a lot of people immediate relief. But I usually tell people start with a cap full a day and adjust that based off of how it works for you with oftentimes, again, if you're a person that only has a bowel movement once a week, it may not be that we get you to one soft stool every day. But a good goal for you might be you have a nice soft bowel movement every other day. So remember that that's going to look different for every person with 
you know, it's possibly reasonable for some people to have a nice soft bowel movement every day, but it just really depends on where you're starting from. So Miralax is a great option. We like it. It doesn't interact with a lot of other medications you're taking. And essentially the side effect profile is very low, maybe some bloating that some patients get. But other than that, I never really hear patients tell me they have a lot of issues with Miralax. If you go too far the other way, I get patients like, well, Dr. Casey, I've got diarrhea now. And I'm like, great, <laughs> we've solved the constipation problem. But if you go too far the other way, then you could go to half a capful every other day, whatever it may be to keep you nice and regular. I mentioned earlier with Miss Alice, Milk of Magnesia is a wonderful uh, medication that's safe to take on a regular basis if you need to, to kind of help things um, move through. Magnesium citrate is a little bit harsher on the stomach, but sometimes can work pretty well for some patients um, to get things moving, essentially. And I have some people that just take a magnesium supplement that kind of keeps things nice and regular for them. Again, talk with your doctor before and incorporating these things on a regular basis. Some of my chronic kidney disease patients and things like that that were worried about your magnesium level, that may not necessarily be the, the best option for you. So those are kind of the nice, gentle ways to get things moving through the gut. Another option for a lot of people are the stimulant laxatives that we talk about. So the docolax or the biscoidal, your Senna or Senecot is a good option. And then you also can get your docolax drops as well. And so those things often work by causing things stimulants, stimulants. So they get things moving. They cause your gut to essentially kind of contract and get things moving through the gut. So some of my patients, particularly those that might have constipation, let's say from taking opioids or things like that, and things have just slowed the gut down, or some of my patients with a lot of neurological disorders, that sometimes those osmotic medications may not necessarily work well for you, that you need the stimulant like those. And those are the ones that work a lot quicker, usually oftentimes with six to eight hours with the bisacoidal, and then six to 12 hours sometimes with the Sinecot. Now, there has been things in the past that has said, you know, using these laxatives long term may be harmful or you may develop a dependence on them. Studies have not really panned out to say that, but I have seen some patients where it seems like those things don't work as well. So with anything, talk with your doctor and uh, be cautious about using any of those things on a regular basis. Now we do have time. looks like to take one more call. I've got Miss Liz here. How are you this morning, Liz? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good. Tell me your question. Well, I have a, I'm on a high dose, 400 milligrams daily of tramadol. Mm -hmm. I mean, I need it because my spine is disintegrating. <laughs> so, uh, because of that, I'm, I'm sometimes somewhat constipated. It's not terrible. Is there anything you would suggest that I do? Yes, ma'am. Are you, what have you tried so far? Have you tried anything so far? No. 
Okay. So, you know, in your case, I would just start with the basics. So even though you are on a, on a chronic pain medication, you're safe to try a daily Miralax or, or, or doing some milk of magnesia and seeing if something simple like that works for you to kind of get things going. Or if you're re- noticing that you're requiring more pain medicine because you're having more pain acutely, going ahead and getting those things started before you get really backed up. So I would try some of those first. Then if you're not having good success with any of those, then I would move to the stimulant like the the bisacoidal or or taking the Senna or the Sinecot. Um, again, just okay. making just again, just making sure you're talking with your doctor to make sure nothing else that you're taking would ultimately interfere. But if you don't get success with some of those basic ones, you might need to move to the stimulant. Yeah, I, I, I think Miralax will probably do the job, and I looked around for it the other day, and it wasn't in plain sight, so I didn't buy it. Yes, but ma'am. I will. Yes, Thank ma'am. You. No problem. And for those that are, I'm a Costco girl, so you can go get Costco brand and Miralax a whole lot more of it for a lot less than going just right hey, down listen, the street. <laughs> I, I, I live in the middle of the woods. Ah, okay. <laughs> Oh, so I go where I can go, you know? Yes, ma'am. I completely (laughs) understand. We do have stores in Ellisville, and I shall look. Awesome. Yes, ma'am. I definitely hope that helps, Miss Liz, and you have a good Friday. Thanks, you too. Well, perfect. Well, I just want to wrap up with a few final thoughts. So some other things that uh, patients can do to help with constipation is I don't know if people have heard about it, but it helps a lot of people is the squatty potty. So there is actually a, a a stool that you can buy online at Amazon that pretty much props your feet up when you go to have a bowel movement. So a lot of my patients that struggle with going to the bathroom, changing, uh, propping your feet up, changing that position, the angle um, that essentially your rectum is when you're having that bowel movement can make having a bowel movement a lot easier. So that's another kind of inexpensive way to help some of our patients that deal with constipation. And then the last kind of common question that I get sometimes from my patients is a probiotic. Again, another thing, the studies don't necessarily pan out on probiotics completely, but it's something that can help you in some people. So it's not harmful and can ultimately help. So of course, I would suggest that as well. So I hope that we were able to cure some people's ailments um, with our talk today on constipation. Thank you all for your time for listening today. This is Southern Remedy Women's Health. It is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Miss Liz Gill. You all have a great evening. <laughs> This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.